0: Good morning, Gateway. It's great to see you guys here this morning in the sanctuary, and also we'd like to welcome those of you who are at home and those who are next door in the gym meeting with us this morning for worship. We are indeed privileged to be able to gather and to worship, and we are grateful that you are with us this morning, and we are excited about what the Lord will do in our midst as we seek Him. just want to remind you of a few things happening in the body this week and in the coming weeks. Primarily, we want to continue to encourage everyone that though we are not necessarily gathering together as regularly as we would have pre-COVID, we are still valuing community very highly, and we would encourage you and your family to be plugged into community. Certainly joining together corporately in worship is one way that we have community, but we also believe that we can go a little bit deeper and do a little bit more life-on-life relationship together as we are involved in small groups, and there are many opportunities to be plugged into small groups. And if you are not familiar with those, we would invite you to uh, find out there on the blog, which is on uh, gatewaybaptist.com slash blog. And just look there for the post that's specifically related to small groups, and we would love for you guys to get plugged in. If you have any questions about how to be plugged in, whether it's to an in-person small group or a Zoom small group, We would love to help you with that. You can reach out to any of the staff, and we would be more than happy to help you get plugged in. But we certainly would encourage you to remain committed to small group community during this season. Also, our students are leaving tomorrow, and we'll be headed down to Laguna Beach Christian Retreat Center just outside of Panama City for a week of summer camp. Please be praying for us as you think to this week. We're really excited about the opportunity that's in front of us, and we're excited about what the Lord's going to do in our midst. Particularly, we would invite you to pray for Lee McBride, who will be preaching and teaching all week long, and also pray for Ashley and Jake as their leading worship. Pray for us as we enter into our small group time, seven different times over the course of the next week, and meet together and discuss the things that we're learning in the larger group. Pray for the students who are going and that their hearts and minds would be receptive to what the Lord is doing in our midst. And certainly we pray for the Lord's safety as we go as well. Um, We want to know how we can pray for you. And so there's an opportunity for you to communicate those things to us at gatewaybaptist.com slash prayer. And if there's any specific requests that you might have, we would invite you to share those with us. As you know, uh, pre-COVID, we would pass around some paper uh, as a part of our uh, morning uh, worship set. And you would take out a sheet and write any prayer requests there and submit those through the offertory time. And we don't have those sheets and we're not passing the plate. But we do still value praying for you. And so we would invite you to go to gatewaybaptist.com slash prayer and let us know what's going on in your life and how we can pray for you. I'd love for you to stand with me this morning as we read from 1 Peter chapter 1. Our call to worship this morning is verses 2 through 6. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 2 says, According to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with His blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. And we worship him together this morning for his amazing grace.
1: He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. God, we thank you for those truths, for the beauty of your word, for the declaration of your nature and your ways. God, thank you that you're unchanging, that we come up here every week to submit prayers and petitions and to intercede and stand in the gap for individuals and nations and peoples. And God, we can trust you to know that you're a God who forgives, you're a God who heals, you're a God who rescues and redeems, you're a God who lavishes your steadfast love and mercy upon us, and you satisfy us. And that's why we can come up here confidently each week and submit these things before you, knowing that you're good and faithful and just. So Lord, we thank you for this time again, that we can declare who you are and to trust you with these prayer requests. Lord, we thank you again just for your overall providence, sovereignty, and control over all things in our nation that we can look to you despite things being chaotic and lack of peace and, and there's despair and tragedy and things going through this pandemic, but God, we continue to ask for your mercy that you would eradicate this, that you would move in such a way that this thing would be dealt with and finished. God, we, just as we said, you're God who heals all our diseases, you're God who rescues us. And we pray, God, for your healing and protection over us during this season. And specifically, Lord, we want to lift up Jack and Liz, uh, members here on our body, who just last week, uh, Jack found out he was COVID positive and wanted us to pray for him this morning. He and Liz, and God, we lift him up to you, and he's one of our senior citizens, and God, we just pray your protection, your healing, power to touch him this morning. Liz has not been able to get tested yet because she has not shown any symptoms, but God, we just pray for your overall protection over her as she cares for Jack and takes care of him right now. God, we pray for healing upon both of them and protection and strength and peace as they look to you and trust you. Jack is in good spirits. As great talked to him this week, but we just pray, God, as a faith family, that you would heal our brother and that you would protect Liz, our sister, and um, that you would just work in their lives. This would be a time for a testimony of them with family and friends that may check on them and that their testimony would bring honor and glory to you, Lord. God, we also lift up our mayor... Mayor Reed, today, God, we pray that you give him wisdom and direction and discernment as he's making decisions for our city and with our city council. God, that you would just, he would look to you, look to your word to get wisdom and guidance in all things. As well, Lord, we lift up our police chief, Mr. Uh, Police Chief Finley, and our fire chief, Jordan. I know they're going through a lot in both of their specific areas, Lord, with uh, many of their officers and firemen coming out with COVID and having to make decisions. In our city for different things we pray again for them as well for their to give them wisdom and guidance and direction as they make decisions to benefit our city as first responders on the front lines and that you would protect them and just guide and direct their steps Lord God we also thank you we can lift up our fellow family in the city. We thank you Lord for Dwayne Rembert and we thank you for Flatline Church in Chisholm. Lord we thank you for their ministry in their community. I just saw yesterday on Facebook how they were going throughout their community doing yard work and mowing grass and talking to People in the streets evangelizing, sharing the gospel, bringing food to them. We pray you continue to provide what they need, Lord. They are at a very critical point in that community. Uh, Catalyst, God, that you're bringing dozens and dozens and dozens of people their way, Lord, to hear the gospel, to be discipled, places of uh, poverty and despair. We just pray, God, you would guide and direct Duane and his leadership team as they are ministering in that community. And, Lord, we thank you for the privilege to be able to pray for our church family overseas. Uh, across the world, Lord, and specifically this morning, Grady was in contact with a friend through email, and we're going to pray for a specific church in China. We cannot say the name, but Lord, this past week, as you know, elders were arrested during the service. The secret police of China came in and arrested their leadership, and that next day, the members of that church went to the jail and was singing and praying outside the gate, knowing they, too, could be arrested Just like out of the book of Acts, Lord, we just thank you for our brothers and sisters standing in the gap. We pray for your protection over them. God, we sometimes don't even know what to pray in situations of persecution because we know what you're doing may be something we don't see. But we pray your kingdom come and your will be done in that situation. That the gospel would go forth. Even as some were at the gate, another group were going up and down the city streets preaching and evangelizing and sharing the gospel. God, we pray for a revival to hit that area, that a harvest would come forth through this persecution, that you would bring protection and guidance to those men. And uh, we just pray your justice be done, God, whatever you see fit to do. We just ask that you would do it for the sake of souls. that people would come to saving faith through this situation. And Lord, we thank you for the privilege of being able to pray for unreached people groups. We thank you, Lord, for the Pa of northern Vietnam. Live right there at the border of China. And God, in their religion, they believe in a supreme deity called the Jade Emperor, but they also worship gods of nature and their ancestors living in such darkness. God, we just pray that your gospel will penetrate to reach that tribal people. And this specific tribal people have elders. So, God, we pray that they're kind of like tribal leaders. And we pray, God, that your gospel could even strategically go to them first. That if they come to faith, they would have such a great influence on the rest of the people of that tribe we just pray, God, you would stir missionaries and other Christian Vietnamese, that they would be stirred to reach them and to go into that area in northern Vietnam. And God, we thank you again for just the privilege we have to give and the resources you have provided for us, Lord. Uh, We ask you to bless our offering today, those that have given online and here, uh, just to be able to use them for your kingdom, for the going forth of your gospel, Lord, and to advance what you're doing here in this city. Lord, again, we thank you so much for our pastor. We thank you for his heart to shepherd us, to teach us, to feed us, to care for us. We pray you continue to keep him in good health as he brings your word today. We pray your Holy Spirit would fill him afresh as he comes to open your word, Lord, and bring um, just a wonderful uh, meat for us to chew on and to be convicted and just guide and direct everything that's said to this morning in Grady. And we just thank you so much for him. Again, we thank you for the privilege. that we never take for granted. The opportunity we have to come and pause and pray to come before the throne of grace to lift up these prayers before a holy god knowing you will act and we trust you with the results and again we pray lord may your kingdom come and your will be done for whatever else takes place this morning come and move among us in jesus name we pray
2: And the blessing we have of corporate worship, of praising God together, and praying together, and studying His Word together. And so, so I'm thankful for this opportunity. So, this morning, I want you to find James chapter three in your copy of God's Word or in your Bible app. James chapter three. If you're visiting with us at Gateway or watching online for the first time, we walk verse by verse through books of the Bible here because we want to see the whole counsel of God's Word. And we're in the middle of a long journey through James's letter in the New Testament. This is actually our 22nd sermon from James, and we're in James chapter 3 right now as we walk through this. And right now, where we find ourselves is we're in the middle of the longest section in Scripture on teaching about the tongue, about our words, what we say, what we write, what we speak, how we... Communicate. And just to remind you of what we've seen, because it's all one idea in James. These verses we're in right now in James 3 so far. He began what we saw in James chapter 3, verse 1, with a warning for us. A warning that we will give an account before God for every word we say. We'll give an account before God for every word that we said that we should not have said. The words we should have put off, the sinful speech. We'll give an account before God for those. We will also give an account before God for the words that we should have said but didn't. The words we should have put on and added to our speech, but we failed to do so. In light of that, Preston last week very faithfully taught us from the next verses in James chapter 3 about the reality of the danger of our tongue, how dangerous our untamed tongues are, and the impossibility of us controlling it ourselves. And I hope you took seriously his challenge to you last week when he it just really struck me. When he said, If you could take away everything from your week, the week before, and only think about the words you said, if there was a transcript of all of your words for the week, what would it show about our lives? And I hope you've been thinking about that and thinking about what do our words reflect about our faith and who we are. Today we pick back up in James chapter 3 verses 9 through 12 as James keeps building on that idea and gets to a place where he's going to conclude this long section of teaching about our words. As we prepare to look at verses 9 through 12, I want to ask you a few questions this morning to kind of get us thinking about where James is going with this text. First question I want to ask you is, have you ever praised God in a worship gathering like we've just done this morning where we've sung our praises to God and we've prayed out loud together and then we got home and we sent a mean text to someone? Or engaged in some argument online or sent that scathing email to someone? Have you ever been driving down the road praising God and worshiping Him and that person cuts you off and next thing you know the words coming out of your mouth are not praises anymore but some rather choice words for that driver who cut you off, right? Have you ever had a great prayer time in your life group just praying with one another and just really felt God's presence and you got home and you let your spouse have it with the same mouth? Have you ever had a great devotional time ...with the Lord and just really singing out to Him and praying and reading His Word... ...and the next thing you know, you're 10 minutes later, you're yelling at your kids. Has that ever happened to you in any way? Have you ever noticed how inconsistent our speech can be? Where in one moment, we're using it to pray and we're using it to talk about God's Word... ...and we're using it to encourage other people. The next moment, we're angry and we're yelling and we're gossiping... ...and we're tearing people down with our words. And so James addresses the sinfulness, the sinfulness of that type of double speech. And he does not hold back words... He's reminded us that we'll give an account before God of all of our words. He's reminded us that we can't change ourselves and we need God's grace to change. And now here this morning, he's going to call us to look inwardly and ask ourselves the question, is my speech consistently Christ-like? Is my speech consistently Christ-like? If you want a key word of where James is driving this morning, it's that word consistency. Are we consistently living out our faith? Now, if you think about the big picture of James, what we've seen over the last 22 weeks but James's big emphasis is he wants to make sure that we understand what it's like to walk in faith. You see it up on the screen. It's been kind of our theme of this study, walking in faith, living out what we claim we believe. Now, we claim that we love God. We claim we love other people. But does our speech show that? Does our speech consistently show that we love God? And does our speech consistently show that we love one another? So look at how James confronts us with that truth. We're going to start in James chapter 3, verse 9. Can I ask if you're able to stand, please, in honor of the reading of the Word of God, as we have the treasure of God's revelation to us here in Scripture? James chapter 3, verse 9. With it, the tongue, with it, we bless our Lord and our Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. God, we're thankful for what you've been teaching us and show us as we go through this book of James. And Lord, we're thankful for what we've even seen in the last two weeks. And the conviction there comes from your word as your Holy Spirit applies it to show us areas we need further growth, further sanctification in our speech. God, we pray you do the same thing this morning, but we thank you that in your love for us, you don't leave us wondering what you want our speech to be like. God, you show us. So God, would you encourage us where we need encouraging? Would you convict us where we need conviction? Would you give us direction where we need direction that we might more and more live out who we already are in Christ, a people belonging to you, and may our speech by your grace more and more reflect it. So use your word this morning to keep transforming us for your glory and for our joy. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, what I want you to see this morning quite simply is this at the outset. Those who worship God are not free to speak to others however they want. Those who worship God are not free to speak to others however they want. Because we live in a world where people say, hey, I can express what I want to say. It's my right to say it. I have to be able to express it. I have to be able to be myself. I just can't keep it in. We hear this all the time in the world that we're in. But for those of us who say we're followers of Christ, that Jesus is my Lord, my boss, my master, if we belong to him, then we are not free in the sense that I can just go say whatever I want to say, that I'm going to speak correctly at church and worship God and pray like I should, but then I can go talk to others however I feel like in my flesh I want to talk about. We're not free to do that because God has a standard for our words. God has an expectation of what we as his followers, how we speak. Those who worship God are not free to speak to others however they want. Now why? Why are we not free in a sense to be able to pray and praise God and use our words however we want the rest of the week? Now to answer that question, we need to see James's main idea here. And that is inconsistent speech is sinful. Inconsistent speech is simple. By inconsistent, I simply mean the speech that at times worships God and holds Him up. But speech that then quickly turns and hurts other people. Inconsistent. We say we love God, but then we use our same mouth to hurt other people. Inconsistency. Now, James brings this out for us in verse 9. Look back in verse 9. He says, with it, it refers back to the tongue, speech, words, what we've been seeing in the previous verses. With it, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, with our tongue, same tongue, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. James describes the sinful inconsistency with these two words, bless and curse. Now, let's look at this. He says, we bless God. That's the first part of verse 9. To bless means to honor it means to praise, it means to speak well of. It's fascinating when you look at where words come from, because in the Greek, this word bless is the word eulogeto. Sounds somewhat familiar? At a funeral, you hear a eulogy. What is a eulogy? It's a eulogy where you speak well of someone, you honor them. We get the English word eulogy from the Greek word "eulogeo," here, which is what comes, which means to honor, to speak well of, to praise. And so what he says with our mouths, we as Christians, we say, oh yeah, yeah, we're going to bless God, we're going to honor him, we're going to praise him, we're going to speak well of him. If you have to remember, the Jewish culture out of which this early church came was very, very even obsessed with making sure they blessed God, where they honored God. In fact, it was very common in Jewish worship at the time. For every time God's name was said, they would respond with, blessed be he. Because they wanted to make sure God's name was honored. And So for James writing to these Christians out of a Jewish background, they were very concerned with honoring God. He knew that, so he's pointing them to this speech by what this thing is so important in their practice. They were honoring God. They were committed to making sure they always honored God. Every time his name was spoken. And that's a good desire. In fact, the early church was passionate about making sure God was honored and blessed. Think about how so many of the New Testament letters begin. We studied Ephesians more than a year ago. Do you remember Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3? What's the very first word of that verse? What is it? Blessed. Exact same word that we see here in James 1: Eulogeto, the eulogy. We're to eulogize God here in this We're to bless God, we're to honor God, we're to praise God. Paul was concerned about making sure the church honored God in all that he did. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, you know what word it's going to begin with as well. What's the first word? Blessed. Same word from James, that Eulogeto again, this word to honor God and praise God. That Above everything else, what the early church was passionate about was honoring God and praising God. And that's what our desire is here and our driving thing here is we want to make sure we're blessing God and honoring God and lifting up God's name and praising him in what we do. That's why when we gather, we talk to him in prayer as CJ just did. That's why we read the word aloud as Drew did for us earlier. That's why we're studying the word together now. That's what Ashley's led us in and singing God's praises. We're trying to honor God through his word and through our songs and through our prayers that our speech would bless God. Yet so often have we blessed God with our words in a setting like this or in a life group and then very quickly after the service is over, after our small group is over, out of the same mouth came words that hurt other people. We've done right in blessing God, but there's a sinful inconsistency because that same mouth now begins to utter things that hurt other people. And James brings that out in verse nine. Look at the last part of that verse. And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. So the same mouth that has blessed, honored, praised God is now cursing other people. Ouch. When we hear this word curse, we often think of profanity. And that's certainly included here, but this is a much broader word. This is not just whether or not, excuse me, profane words come out of our mouth. This here, what's in view of this word curse is any type of sinful, angry words to other people. It's any type of sinful or angry words to other people. So if we lash out at other people with our words and our text and our emails and our social media posts and what we say, we are cursing others in the sense of this word. If we deceive others We don't tell them the truth and we say things dishonestly for our own gain or because we're embarrassed or whatever else. We are cursing other people in the broadness of this word. If we insult others, if we gossip about others, it's all in view in this word curse. And at the worst form, what this word does include is desiring people to be damned to hell. Desiring people to be cut off from the blessing of God because we're angry with them. All that and more is included in this word curse. That our mouths can do that type of damage like Preston showed us last week. And James is saying that's inconsistent. If we're a Christian, if we're one who worships God, if we're one who uses our words to confess our sin and acknowledge God and to pray to him and to read his word and to sing together, then we're not free then the rest of the week to curse and say whatever we want to say to other people. That God has a standard for us. There should not be a disconnect between how we speak to God and how we speak to one another. And when there is that type of disconnect in our speech, James gives a really strong rebuke here. He does not hold back words for us. Look at verse 10. It says, from the same mouth came blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Literally, this phrase means it is not necessary for things to be this way. It is not necessary for you and I to be inconsistent like this in It is not necessary for us to be a people who honor God when we're in corporate this and then hurt people with our words at other Times. We are not free to speak to others in the moment, whatever we feel like. God has a standard for us, and it doesn't have to be the way it so often is for us. That raises three big questions for us this morning. Why are we not allowed to have this type of inconsistent speech? What are we supposed to be like instead? And then, how is that even possible? So, why can we not have inconsistent speech that blesses God and curses people? What should our speech be instead if God's not going to allow that? And then, how is that even Possible. So I want to look at that briefly this morning. Why, what, and how. First of all, the why. Why are we not able to speak to others any way that we want to speak to them? Well, James gives us two reasons here. One reason involves us in our nature, and one reason involves the people we're speaking to in their nature. So start with others. The first reason James tells us why we're not free just to say whatever comes to our mind is that the people we're talking to are made in the image of God. The people we are talking to are made in the image of God. Look back at that last phrase of verse number 9. And with it, with the tongue, we curse people who were made in the likeness of God. Now, the likeness of God is the same representation as the image of God. This goes back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. If you go all the way back to Genesis, when God made people, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And unlike the rest of creation, humanity, people, men and women are made in the image of God. Nothing else in creation is made in the image of God but us, As people. Now, there's a lot that goes into that, and that's a whole sermon for another day. But being made in the image of God includes many things. We're spiritual beings, we have a spiritual side of us, and nothing else in creation has. We have Part of God's attributes, We call them his communicable attributes, attributes of God that he shares with us. God is love. We can love. God is holy. He calls us to pursue holiness. God is just. He calls us to fight for justice. God is merciful. He calls us to be merciful. We can reflect the characteristics of God, his communicable attributes. And again, there's so much more to that for another day. But humanity is made in the image of God, the likeness of God. And even though there's sin in the world, even though the fall has corrupted that, it does not remove the image of God. ...of God from us. It was still the likeness of God remains... ...in all of humanity, in every person. So James is saying it's inconsistent... ...it's even sinful to say... ...I love God with my words... ...but then not to speak lovingly to people... ...who are image bearers of God. To not speak lovingly to people who bear the image of God... ...and who are made in God's image. So friends, next time we are tempted... ...to yell at our kids... ...to yell at our spouse... ...to be angry with a boss or a friend... Next time we're tempted to be dishonest or manipulative or to gossip. Next time we're we're so quick to post some scathing response. Next time we're wanting to speak for self-advancement. We need to pause and remember that the person we are addressing is an image bearer of God. Is a person made in the likeness of God. And we are not free to say to that image bearer of God whatever in our flesh we want to say to them. And God will hold us accountable for how we speak to them. So one reason James tells us why we're not able to have inconsistent speech or why we should not have it is because the people we talk to are image bearers of God. But the second reason he gives us has to do with us as we turn our gaze inward. The second reason why we're not free to speak however we want is we have a new nature. And if we are followers of Christ, we have a new nature. Now James is going to show this through imagery here. Look back at verses 11 and 12 and look at the image that he's conveying for us. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? The way it's phrased in Greek here, the answer is no, it cannot be. Verse 12, can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Again, the answer is required in the Greek, no. Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Now, what is he saying in these images? He's saying the type of water that comes from a spring shows you the nature of the spring. The type of fruit on a tree shows you the nature of that tree. What you see in nature shows you what it's made of, what it's like. Nowhere in creation do apple trees make oranges. Nowhere in creation do springs give salt water today, fresh water tomorrow, back to salt water, back to fresh water. There's a consistency that apple trees make apples, orange trees make oranges, salt water keeps being salt water, freshwater springs keep giving fresh water. Each thing is consistent. And so, what James is doing here is giving us an image. That if we're Christians, if we claim we're followers of God, it's not just we pray to prayer and we get out of hell and we get to go live in heaven forever. He's given us a new nature now. If we're in Christ, the old has gone, the new has come. And we should be growing, not that we're going to achieve perfection. We saw this last week in what James has said about no man is able to tame his tongue. But if we are a Christian, God has taken out our old nature and given us a new nature. And there should be within us a growing consistency, a growing godliness in how we speak. A growing and reflecting who we now are in Christ. Now, have seen it before. I want you to see Luke chapter 6, verse 45 again. This is, to me, one of the most important verses on speech in all of Scripture. In Luke six forty-five. Jesus says, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. Now, this next phrase is so important. I want you to read it out loud with me, okay? Let's say it together. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So our words show come from where? Where do our words come from? our heart. We may say things like, I didn't mean to say it. Well, we may regret saying it, but no, we meant to say it because it was in our heart. If it comes out here, it was already in our hearts. Nothing comes out of our mouth that wasn't already in our hearts. And so what we hear in our words, I love Preston's challenge of the transcript, what our words show us is a picture of our hearts and what's actually in there. And so friends, if we are in Christ, our speech, our words, our text messages, our social media postings, our emails, all of our communication, verbal words and written words, should not sound like they did the day we trusted Christ. They should not sound like the world. They should be different because if we're growing in godliness, if we are in Christ, we have a new nature and the Holy Spirit is growing us and convicting us when we follow and giving us desires to walk with God, our speech should be different now and growing more and more like Christ. And so the next time again, friends that were tempted to yell and be angry and say hurtful things or be harsh or have any type of ungodly speech, and only do we pause and remember the person I'm addressing is an image bearer of God. Whether they're five years old or 85 years old, they're image bearers of God. Whether they're my friend or not, they're an image bearer of God. Whether they're my employer or my boss, they're image bearers of God. We need to remember that. But we also need to remember not just who they are, but who we are, that if I'm in Christ, I have a new nature. And we need to pause and not only think, is this speech consistent with speaking to someone who's an image-bearer of God, but is this speech consistent with Christ's likeness Is what I'm about to say or write something that Christ would say or write? Is what I'm about to say a reflection of a heart that's changed by the grace of God or is it a reflection of a heart that is lost in sin? And we need to pause and ask, is my speech, is my writing consistent with who I am in Christ? That's the why, friends. But our second question is if we're not to have sinful inconsistent speech, what is our speech supposed to be like instead? So there's the why, now here's the what. What should our speech be like? We'll go back to verse 9 again. With it, we bless our Lord and our Father. So first part, our speech needs to be blessing God. Now remember that means to honor, to praise, to speak well. of. So if we're a follower of Christ, our speech should be saturated with blessings to God. Now what does that look like? Well, there's lots of things included with that. Let me give you three quickly of what's included with that. Praying is honoring God. If we want to have speech that blesses God, we pray. We pray alone. We pray with our families. We pray in small groups. We pray in corporate settings like this. Prayer is worship and honoring God. Now, in the American culture, the American church culture, we talk about praising God Well, we typically think of singing, and that's part of it we'll see in a minute. But worship is not limited, and praise is not limited to just songs put to music. Our prayers are praise. Our prayers are worship. Friends, when we thank God for things, we're blessing him. We're honoring this. We're acknowledging that he's the provider. When we confess our sins to God, we're worshiping him. Do you realize that our confession of sins is an act of worship? Because when we confess our sins, we're acknowledging God's standards. We're acknowledging his holiness. We're acknowledging his justice and our need for forgiveness. When we ask God for things, what we call intercession or petitions, we're asking God to do things. That's worship. That's praise, that's honoring God because as we are asking God for things, we're acknowledging our limitation and how unlimited he is. We're acknowledging his power, we're acknowledging his sovereignty, we're acknowledging even just his graciousness and willingness to provide. We're acknowledging his wisdom to do what is right. As we pray, whether it's thanksgiving, whether it's confession, whether it's asking for things, we are honoring God. So we honor God by praying. Second of all, we honor God by praising what we've just done for the last few minutes before I got up here. We sing to God, we talk about his attributes, we speak of his greatness, we put it to songs. That's honoring and blessing God because our hearts are so full thinking about the bigness of God that we cannot help but overflow in songs of praise to him. That honors God when we sing to him. Let me give you one more way we honor God, besides praying and praising, when we speak about him with others. Not just in a formal statement, when we talk about him with others, we are honoring God. I love it when families, when I'm like, hey, how's your family doing? And a guy starts bragging on his wife. Or a parent starts bragging on their kids. When we hear that that's good because it shows the overflow of their love for their family. And so, friends, when we, in our conversation, talk about what God has done for us and his grace and how sweet his forgiveness is and how amazed we are, when that comes out in our conversation, that's good when it's that type of overflow. We honor God when we talk to the non-believers around us about their need for God and how true he is and how great he is. We honor God when we remind one another of his promises and his greatness and we just encourage each other with the word. All that blesses and honors him because it shows him to be supreme. It shows him to be the only one worthy and the only one who can meet all of our needs and our speech should be full of that. So what should our speech be like? It should bless God. But then secondly, look at what else it should do. The last part of verse nine, with it we bless our Lord and Father and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Now, James does not tell us what the other part of our speech should be like, but we can infer pretty quickly. If cursing people is forbidden, what is the opposite of cursing? Blessing. Yeah, encouraging people, honoring people. The exact thing. We're to bless God in our speech and we're to bless one another with them. James wants consistent speech, speech that blesses God and that blesses other people as well. Now, how do we bless other people in our speech? Well, we saw this two weeks ago, so I'm not going to walk through all of it again. I encourage you to go back and listen to that if you missed it. But two weeks ago, we, as we were looking through the beginning of the speech section of James, we walked through a number of verses in Ephesians of the type of speech that we should put on, the type of speech that should be part of our vocabulary, what we should be saying to one another. But let me give you a quick summary of some of those. If we want to bless other people, we remind them of God's character. We remind them of God's nature. We remind them of God's word. We bless other people when we pray for them. Friends, we're in a culture where it's so easy when someone shares a request, be like, oh yeah, I'll pray for you. But how often do we pause and actually say, hey, I'm going to pray for you while I'm talking to you right now in the hall or while I've got you on the phone right now. We need to pray for people where they hear it. That blesses people. How do we bless people? We ask questions to get to know them. We ask questions when we don't understand. Instead of arguing or assuming the worst, we ask questions of people to build unity. We bless people when we strive to encourage them. We bless people when we seek their forgiveness when we've sinned against them. If we want to summarize all that, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, perhaps, is the best summary of what blessing people looks like. He says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. But only such is a good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. If we want consistent speech, we bless God, we honor God. And then as the occasion fits, we seek to do good. We seek to build up with our words. We seek to give grace to people through our speech. So what should our speech be like? It should be consistently seeking to bless God and bless other people. And isn't that what the great commandment is all about? Applied to our speech here? Remember, when Jesus was asked by a religious leader, what's the greatest commandment they were trying to trap him? In Mark chapter 12, verse 29, he answered with this. Jesus answered, what's the most important of all the commands? The most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your mind and with all your strength. That means the totality of who you are. And so, yes, speech is included. We should love God with our speech. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these. Friends, I think we often fail to think about how the great commandment applies to our speech. The great commandment for all of our life as far as a Christ is this right here, love God and love others. So how do we do that with our speech? We love God and we love others. We seek to bless God and honor him, we seek to bless others and build them up. So we're not free to speak however we want to other people. God calls us to use our speech to worship him, to bless him and to build up other people. So we've seen the why, we're in, they're image bearers, we have a new nature. We've seen the what. We don't curse people. We don't hurt people. The what is we're now to bless people, even as we seek to bless God. And that leads to one last question this morning. How? How is that even possible? And friends, that's really tough. In fact, it is impossible on our own. Do you remember James chapter 3, verse 8? The Preston showed us last week. This is right before we started this morning's text. No human being. How many? None. none. No. And no means no here. In the Greek, no means none, not possible. No human being can tame the tongue. There's not an asterisk by that, that if you've been in church 20 years or you've been a Christian for 50 years, you're okay on this. No means no. It's impossible on our own for any of us as people to tame our tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. That's where we pick up this morning in verse 9 in the very next verse. With it, here's why we fail so often. Why so often we'll praise God here and then hurt people within the same day with our same mouth. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made His likeness. It's impossible on our own, friends. It's something that you and I cannot change with white-knuckle determination I cannot set enough resolutions, get enough accountability drinks, read enough books, get enough conferences to change my speech, and you can't either. Our speech will only change by the grace of God transforming it. So how do we receive that grace? We talk about this often. If it's all of grace, is there anything we can do? Well, in a sense of us changing ourselves, no, but, friends, we can put ourselves in the path of grace. Any transformation in our speech or any area of our life has to be God doing it, There are certain places that God loves to work through, certain paths of grace that we can stand in to experience His grace, certain streams of grace we can jump into to experience more of His grace. So can I give you this morning five ways that I think are helpful for us to put ourselves in the path of grace to see God transform our speech because we can't change it ourselves. So five ways, five practical steps we can take when we realize our speech is inconsistently sinful, what can we do? Number one, we need to remember our identity in Christ. We need to remember our identity in Christ. I think we often fail at this point. Because remember, our speech reflects our heart. Our speech reflects our nature. I think so often we lose sight of what our nature is. We saturate ourselves in what the world is telling us through the media, through the entertainment, whatever else. And we lose sight of who we are in Christ. Of how God sees us and the nature we have in him. And we need to remember daily who we are. We are in Christ, that we are loved by him, that we are chosen by him. We are adopted by him. We are recipients of his grace. We are forgiven of all of our sins. And there's nothing I can say today that will make God love me any more or any less. We need to dwell on who we are in Christ. And how do we do that? We go back to the word, friends. Because if we're not in the word, is it any wonder that our speech is so inconsistent? This is the means of grace God uses to point us back to who he is and who we are in him, So we need to run back to his word day by day to remember who God is and who we are in him, our identity in Christ. Second of all, we need to remember our need for grace. We need to remember our need for grace. So often I think we treat the gospel and grace like something we need to come into the kingdom and we stop there. When reality is the gospel is what I need every day and what you need every day. Grace is what I need, not just the day I trusted Christ at 13 years old. It's what, you, it's what I need day by day by day by day. The grace of God is our only hope for taming our tongue. And God promises to give it. Think of the sweet promises in Scripture, John chapter 1, verse 16. It's probably my favorite verse in the Gospel of John when we studied that three years ago. And from his fullness we have received, what's the next phrase? Grace, grace upon grace. Say anyway, we've received what? Grace. grace upon grace. Friends, what hope there is that! I can't tame my tongue. You can't tame your tongue. But God gives grace upon grace and we need to be asking for that to remember our need for it and we'll get to this in some weeks still to come but James chapter 4 verse 6 when James points it but God gives more what God gives more grace the hope friends is not in us we need grace and so remember who we are in Christ which is all of his grace we remember our need for grace today to tame our tongue so what do we do remember our identity remember our need for grace number three we repent when we fall No human being can their tongue. I will blow it in my speech. I will sin in my speech this week, and you will too. So what do we do when we sin in our speech? We repent. We confess our sin. We acknowledge our sin. We seek to change by God's grace. Friends, can I suggest if there's no conviction of sin of our speech when we fall, we'd ask if we really are a follower of Christ. Because God loves his people and he yearns jealously over us. And if we sin in our speech, the Holy Spirit within us will convict us. I love what it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 10 and 11. It's such a reminder for us. Talking about earthly parents. So kids in the room, you'll get this one. For our earthly parents disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. Friends, if we're sinning, if we're not walking in holiness in any area of our life as Christians, God will discipline us because he loves us. Verse 11 Carries on for the moment. This is right, kids. Right? All discipline seems painful, yet rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Notice it's to those who have been trained by it. Friends, if we are followers of Christ, we're still going to blow it with our speech. But when we do, if we're a Christian, one of the great marks of being a Christian is that God convicts us. And the Holy Spirit makes us miserable in our sin because he disciplines us because he loves us so. So when he convicts us, what do we do? 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 tells us what to do. If we confess our sin, confess means to agree with God, to acknowledge our sins before him. He is faithful just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So friends, I'm gonna, I'm gonna send in my speech this week and you will too. When we do that, what we need to do is remember our identity in Christ we need to remember our need for grace and we should be aware of it at that point. And then we need to quickly run to God, not delay, not, not wait on until our next quiet time. We need to run to God and say, God, I sinned against you. I sinned against this person. God, forgive me, cleanse me, give me grace, tame my tongue, change me, and cry out to God in repentance when that happens. So number four, though, we not only repent when we fall, number four, we seek the forgiveness of the people we offend. We seek the forgiveness of the people we offend. Friends, this is so rare in the church today, so rare in the Christian world today. This is so countercultural. This is so not natural to humble ourselves and go to someone who we've hurt with our words online or hurt with our words in our social media posts, hurt with our email to them, whatever. And to go to them and say, I need to confess my sin to you. I, my words are given by God to bless you and I hurt you instead say, would you forgive me for that sin against you? That needs to be the pattern of how we operate as the body of Christ. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 tells us how serious this is to God. Jesus is talking, so it says, so if you're offering your gift at the altar, if you're in a worship setting and they remember that your brother has something against you, verse 24, leave your gift at the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. God is that serious it's about unity in the body of Christ. We saw this when we studied Ephesians that God is building a unity among believers, and he's committed to this in a serious mind, it. so serious. He says, don't pretend that things are okay. If you have unreconciled sin with someone else in the church, don't come stand here and sing to me and pretend to all okay and bless me with your words until you go deal with that first and be reconciled to the person that you've offended we must be a people who are willing to go to other Christians and say, I have sinned against you by saying that about you. I sinned against you by responding in anger. And we need to be a people who are quick to receive that and to say, I forgive you. That is so very different than the cultural approach of, hey, sorry about that if I caused any problems. That's not biblical seeking forgiveness. Biblical seeking forgiveness says, I sinned against you in this way. This is what God told me to do. This is what I did instead. And we confess it as sin. And we say, will you forgive me? And the response of I forgive you is very different than the cultural thing of, oh, it's okay. Don't mention it. Don't worry about it. That's not reconciliation, friends. Reconciliation is where we say, I sinned, I broke God's standard and it hurts you. Would you forgive me? The person says, I forgive you. I won't ever hold it against you again. doesn't mean you never talk about it again because you can talk about it to grow together. But I'm never going to use it against you. When those type words are expressed from a heart that loves God, reconciliation is possible. And it heals those broken relationships and it restores. And parents... A word to us as well, me included in this, we're not above doing this with our kids. If you're like me, we're going to sin against our kids even this week. And are we going to be proud parents who just have it all figured out? Are we going to sit down with our two or three or four or five-year-old, however they all, and look at them and say, Daddy sinned against you in my words. God told me to use my words to teach you. And I yelled at you and said, would you forgive me for breaking God's law and hurting you? Are we going to be a people, even as parents, who model for our kids Christ-like Humility and confession, and seeking forgiveness in that. So, what do we need to do to put ourselves in the path of grace for God to tame our tongues? We remember our identity in Christ. We remember our need for grace. We confess our sins. We repent before God when we fall, and we seek the forgiveness of those we've hurt. And number five, lastly, we need to daily seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to daily seek the fullness of the Holy Spirit, friends. I already mentioned we need to be in the Word of God, but you think back to our study of Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter five, the command: be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to tame my tongue, but God is grace. If we're children of God, we already have the Holy Spirit with us. When you trust Christ, you get the Holy Spirit. But the fullness of the Holy Spirit is you asking him to take control of you that day. And friends, our tongues are so dangerous. We need to be beginning our day saying, Holy Spirit, fill me today. Take control of me today. Control my thoughts, my affections, my desires. And actually, yes, control my words today that I might bless God and bless other people. Friends, those of us who worship God are not free to speak to others however we want. We're to speak, we're to write, we're to engage in social media if we use that as a people with a new nature, as a people speaking, even if it's over electronic means to people who are image bearers of God. And we're to speak in such a way to bless them and to bless God, to build up people and to honor God. So I want to close this morning with a question that Preston raised last week. If you take a transcript of all your words the last seven days, what would it show? If I take a transcript, of, if I could read a transcript now, if I could put on the screen a scrolling transcript of every word that came out of my mouth in the last seven days, what would it show? Would we be pleased with what we saw? Or would we be convicted of what we saw? Did our speech, with that transcript of our speech this week, would it be a speech that's filled with honoring God and blessing him? Would it be a speech that's full of building up other people? Or will it be a speech that's pretty worldly? It doesn't look very different than the world. What would it show on this? Friends, and if there are areas to where the Holy Spirit convicts us as so we think about our speech, we need to be quick to run back to the Lord in confession. And if God shows us even today, people we've offended with our speech, it may be a spouse, it may be children, it could be extended family, it could be friends, it could be coworkers, it could be friends from school, whatever. If we see that we've offended others with that, we need to be people quick to go to them and say, I sinned, will you forgive me? And let God rebuild relationships this week. So gateway family, this week, let's be a people who seek God's grace remember who we are in Christ, remember the gospel, remember that one another are image bearers of God, as we remember that our speech is a stewardship given by God to bless him and to bless one another. Let's see how God uses that this, this week to tame our tongues and transform our speech into speech that pleases him. Would you pray with me? Father, we are so grateful for your word. We're thankful for your incredible love for us that you Love us with a love that we can't even really fathom, that you looked upon wretched sinners like us when we were lost in our sins, when we were shaking our fist at you, wanting nothing to do with you, and you turned our hearts towards you. And you adopted us and you redeemed us and you've forgiven us and given us a new nature. You've given us grace upon grace upon grace. And Lord, I pray that this week we would not lose sight of that. That you would anchor us this week in your grace and what you've done for us. And Lord, that you would just fill our hearts with awe and wonder and thankfulness of realizing what you have done that we did not earn, that we did not choose, that we did not deserve. That it was all of your grace. God, I pray that that this week would be an anchor for us when the enemy is tempting us, when the world is pulling us, that we would be so fixed on you that those temptations would not have the pull they've had in the past. Lord, particularly for our speech, Lord, we confess, Lord, we are not able to tame our tongues. Lord, we all have regrets from the last week. Us, a lot of us have regrets, even from this morning, what our tongues have done or have not done. So God, would you forgive us? What an incredible thought that when we confess our sins, you forgive us. You don't just forgive us. We saw 1 John, you, for, you cleanse us as well. So we ask this morning, God, that you would forgive us for our failures in our speech. You cleanse us as well. But God, that you would not let us grow discouraged. Lord, that we would remember that there's no amount of good speech I can do this week to make you love me more. There's no amount of simple speech this, this week that will make you love me any less. That our acceptance before you is not anything that has to do with us. It's all because of Christ. And that, Father, we can approach you because we are covered with Christ's righteousness. Because he took all of our sin and he gave us all of his righteousness. Thank you that we can even approach you without fear of being struck down. Think of what Isaiah said when he saw you in your holiness and your glory. He said, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. Or That we get to now stand before you without fear or dread because we are forgiven. We sing sometimes where we thank you for reminding us that you took us your enemies and have made us your friends. So God, give us much grace this week for the gospel to be so sweet to us and so real to us that it affects all areas of our life. And we will give you the praise for what you're going to do to build up this body, to mend relationships and homes between spouses, between parents and kids, between co-workers, between friends. We pray this week, God, that you will be so working in our speech to mend where the enemy has broken. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we sing our closing song? are just overwhelmed with the grace that we have received, that you have taken us, your enemies, and you've delivered us, you've redeemed us, you have made us your own. And God, we long for the day that we see you face to face, an unveiled face, and we spend eternity with you where we never struggle with our speech again. We're free from temptations and sin, and we get to live the way the world was made to be. Lord, until that day, I pray we would live with that day in view. You'd get our eyes off of the temporary, get our lives focused on the eternal. You'll be sanctifying us and growing us in godliness we remember who we are in Christ this week. God, as you do that in us, Lord, we know we will find great joy. That, God, you'll be blessed, honored, that you'll receive all the glory. So for your glory and for our joy, we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, Gateway family. Have a great Sunday afternoon.